Hello, everybody. In today's episode, Nick Conley from Nicholas Landscaping in California joins us to share his story from uh, from the very uh, humble roots of starting out a family. And uh, when he started out his family, there you know tough times and you know baby on the way and and all of that. And the next thing you know, he's starting a company and all the trials and tribulations that went with that decision and exactly how he kept faith in his heart throughout that entire journey in order to pull him to where he is now. It's a true rags to riches story and uh, you're going to love it. So uh, tune in and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And this episode today is sponsored by Yes Express, where we help landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living pros double their sales in half the time. If you're curious, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you and see if we can help you. So today we have a special guest on our podcast, and uh, this happens to be the brother of the last person you listened to. So I figured we bring on the family. You get to hear the other side of this. So we'll see if she was just telling us stories or not, which I'm sure she isn't. But anyway, um, so this is the owner of Nicholas Landscaping in California, uh, Nick Conley. What's going on, Nick? How's it going, Joshua? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. I'm uh, excited to have you on here. And uh, we had Haley on last week and it was great to hear her story and how she fits into the business model and how, she, you know, her story and, and her journey along the way. And I'd love to hear from your side. She mentioned you a lot. She has a ton of respect for you. And I'd love to hear, you know, your side of the story as well. And, and you know, before we get into all the details, I'd love to find out how you actually became part of this outdoor living world. If it's something that was part of your wiring or whether it's something new for you. So tell us, start us back in the beginning and work us up to where we are now. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I've been in the kind of construction trades most of my life. My dad was a plumber. Um, and, uh, so I kind of, I helped him all through high school, um, out of high school, I got a job doing, uh, excavation work, running heavy equipment for a summer. Um, after that I worked for the, United States Forestry Service for uh, another two summers after that. And um, basically, I just liked working with my hands and working outdoors. Um, I made a move to California, and that's when I first started doing um, landscaping with my uncle, who owns a a, a fairly high-end maintenance, um, landscape maintenance company in the Napa Valley here in California. And so I did that for about five years. Um, we did a few installation projects here and there, but it was mostly maintenance. Um, from there, that's kind of that, that job is when I kind of realized like, okay, this is something that I like doing. I'm outside, I'm working with my hands, um, things like that. And so that's kind of what got me started, you know, all through high school, you know, I would rake leaves for extra money, you know, mow lawns, do things like that. So I guess, you know, when I think about it, I've been in the landscaping industry for quite a while. Um, but my first mm -hmm. official job was, um, when I was about 21, 
working with my uncle doing maintenance. Um, and even then when, you know, his business was growing and he actually asked me once, he's like, Hey, I'm probably going to be starting two crews. We're probably gonna have an install crew and a maintenance crew. Which crew would you rather be a part of? And I immediately said the install crew. Um, and so from the yeah. start, I knew I wanted to build things and not just trim plants. Yeah. No, I hear you, dude. It sounds like my story too. I love building cool shit. You know, it's, yeah. it's the, the sky's the limit. So let's, let's get our hands in it and figure it out. I love that. I love that. So, exactly. uh, so you work with him. When did you decide to start your own, you know, practice? Um, so I worked with him for about five years and then, um, I actually, from there I went and worked for a church. I got hired as the music director and I did that for about three or nice. four years. Um, during that time <clears throat> I did my own kind of side um, just gardening type stuff and just little, little walkways and, and things like that for people on the uh, weekends. Um, and then from there we moved, we made a move. And, um, when I got to this new town, I was looking for, um, for landscape jobs and there was no one, there was no one really paying what I needed to provide for my family. Um, and this is kind of, this is the whole, this, this whole transition is kind of drives me today as an owner, because I spent months looking for a position for a landscape company. And I went from making 20, 21 an hour to now offering, you know, uh, applying to these other companies and basically saying like, you know, I've got enough experience. I could run a crew you know, I could be your mm -hmm. project manager, your field ops manager. And so I'm calling these people and I have my resume and they're all calling me saying, man, you're overqualified or you're asking too much. Our lead guys right now are getting paid like 16, 17 an hour. And I'm like, how do you expect mm -hmm. a guy with that kind of experience who, who has years in the trade, who most likely has a family like, how can you only be paying him 16, 17 bucks an hour because he's got to yeah. provide for his family. Right. And so, 100%. so I, so like the third or fourth interview that I went, that I was told that after that in my head, I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to start my own thing because I need to be able to support my family and this pay that these guys are offering is just not enough. And so that's what got me into supporting and in, into dis, into deciding that I want to start my own gig. That's that's an incredible story, and you know it's so true. You know when you start looking at things at that time, what did you know when you say supporting your family? Were you married? Did you have kids? Like what did that look like? Yeah. So when we moved, we had just had our first child. I've been married for we've been married for eleven years now, um, and at this point, we wow. were married for awesome. five. And I had a we had a uh, let's see, we had a one-year-old and my wife was pregnant and was due in two months. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so our first two are 14 months apart. And, uh, so right at that time is when I decided to start my own company because we're about to have kid number two. Um, and, uh, I needed to find a job right away. At that point I was working at a hardware store, making minimum wage. Um, and then doing stuff on the, yeah. on the side. But that was when I decided, okay, I'm going to get serious. I'm actually going to start this business and stop doing things on the side. I'm going to get my license, um, and really, you know, 
dive head first into this. Dude, I love that. Now walk me through. Okay. So let me just remember, just make sure I have this right. So married for, for a bunch of years, have uh, roughly a one-year-old at home. Wife is pregnant, ready to give birth in like, but two months. And you're like, Hey, I'm going to start a business. <laughs> right. So walk me through how that was in the beginning, because I know at that point it'd probably be the worst case or the worst time to bring something on, on your wife that way. So walk me through how that was in the beginning and what kind of faith you needed in order to walk, take that journey to, to, to bet on you. I mean, that's, that's powerful. So walk me through that. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything I've done has been just in faith, right. That I'm being called to do yeah. what I'm being called to do and uh, it's going to work out. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was hard. Um, we were living in a two bedroom apartment um, we had, um, we were getting assistance from, uh, from the state with food because of the uh, kids. <clears throat> um, I was working at a hardware store, like I said, making minimum wage. Um, our like meal budget was like 50 bucks a week. And so we were just kind of scooting by, you know, right. And, uh, I wasn't going to, you know, that's when I started to look for those other jobs and they weren't going to pay me what I really needed. And so basically I'm looking at staying where I'm at in this apartment. And now we have another kid and we're just barely scraping by. I mean, we're like eating beans and rice really, um, to going, okay, how am I going to get us out of this and create a better life for my family and my kids? Like what's my best option? Um, and oftentimes our best option isn't the easiest one. Right. And so to decide that, mm, okay, I'm going to sure. start a business. Like that's not an easy thing to do because now I'm like, Hey, what do I do? Like I have, I have a truck and no money to go buy tools, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so, but I can see for far enough ahead that I know the skills I have. Um, and mm -hmm. I know God is with me in this. And so with those two things, the sky's the limit. Um, and so we just jumped in. I, I kept my job at the hardware store to keep that money coming in. And then every, all the extra time that I had on, on the weekends or after work, I would just go do side jobs. Um, the area that we live in, uh, there's not a lot of, on, a lot of the people that are here don't have a huge online presence. And so I immediately started social media, Facebook, Instagram. I got a website, you know, I just, every, every extra dollar that we had, I put towards, I invested into the business to get my name out there, um, posting on all the different Facebook yeah. groups. Um, I just hit that really hard. I took a ton of before and after pictures. Um, I answered my phone when people would call me or I would call them back the same day. Um, like that one thing is just have, was, huge. Like people go, Oh, I can't believe you answered your phone or I can't believe you called me back. We've called five other guys and no one has ever called us back. Um, and so, yeah. so that right there kind of got the snowball effect going and, and, uh, <clears throat> and I saved up enough money to go buy like $150 lawnmower, um, started mowing people's lawns. And, you know, my, my background was in plant care. So I did a lot of fruit tree pruning, a lot of rose pruning, um, and things like that. And, and so, <clears throat> so I used my skill to kind of get my name out there, which was in maintenance. Um, and then, uh, yeah. so that's what got, you know, that's kind of 
that story, <laughs> the yeah, beginning of it. That's 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 crazy, man. I, I mean, crazy. It's craziest time of your life, and you just got to walk in faith. And you know, I, I happened when I was doing a little research on you before I have you on here. I, I found one of your your quotes that you have. I believe it's on your Facebook profile, but it says, "I am a Christ following, family oriented entrepreneur that loves helping others succeed." Man, I freaking love that, dude. It's that's it's so so important, and it's coming out right now. So, walk me through how you develop the the faith that it took to walk this journey, especially at a time of your life when you should be doing anything that would be easier than starting a business with a family and and all of that. Like, walk me through how you develop that. You know, at the end of the day, everything was fine. Whether yeah. whether whether what happened was what we wanted or not, at the end of the day, everything was fine. Um, and, and I've seen that all through my life. Um, and so for me at the, like, like basically it's that whole, what's like, you got to think about what's the worst that can happen. Okay. That's going to happen. Then what you, you move on and go to the next thing. And so in my mind, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to start the business. What's the worst that can happen. It doesn't take off. And I'm still working at this hardware store yeah. and I, and we're eating, you know, we're here where we woke up today. I'm still breathing. Um, I'm blessed. I have a beautiful family. Um, and so that right there, it's like, if you, for me with that mindset, you're not scared anymore. Fear I think is what holds people back. And, and if you're looking at what the work that you need to do now, because you want to make your life better, you want to, you want to move forward in something, as long as you don't have that fear, then nothing's going to stop you. You're just going to keep going. Right. Um, and so I think for me, I just, I, I don't think I can put my finger on any one thing that put that mindset into me. I think I've just kind of naturally had it mm-hmm. throughout my life, which, you know, yes, that's lucky me, but, <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of, you say it's luck, but you know, luck tends to favor the bold, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's powerful, dude. And you know, you're just so right. So many of the things that we worry about as as humans, as husbands, wives, fathers, sons, brothers, whatever, ninety nine percent of the stuff that we worry about never comes true. Yet we still give it space in our minds. Mm-hmm. It's part of the old wiring, if you will, the the reptilian brain that we worry about all these things that could happen, and they seem to take up more space in our mind than they should, right? So when we realize and think back, this is an exercise that, you know, on your journey was that as well, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, what if I succeed instead of what if I fail? You know, so what if you spin that? That's a totally different thing, but you look back and think about all the things you worried about yesterday, Nick. Just think about all, not you personally, but listeners out there, think about all the stuff you worried about yesterday. All those things that you were afraid were going to happen, a client was going to call mad or this wasn't going to get done or somebody's going to get hurt or something like that, right? Write a list out of all those things that you worried about yesterday, actively worried about, and then put a line through all the ones that didn't happen. And I can almost guarantee you that 95 or more percent of that list never came true, right? And when I realized that, to your point, when I realized that, I'm like, then why the hell am I paying interest on a debt I don't have? Exactly. Right. That's that's what worry is, is paying interest on a debt you don't have. Why would you do that? You would never spend money and just throw it in your mailbox every month and just let the mailman pick it up for no debt you've ever had. But that's what you do when you worry. Exactly. All that conscious time that you could be thinking about working on your business or being a better husband or father or, or wife or whatever, you know what I mean, mother. All that time is wasted because of something that we think is necessary and important. 
but doesn't ever turn out to find any value. Have you found that to be the truth oh, as yeah, well? Totally. Totally. I go through it. I mean, you know, it's still, yeah. it's not that I don't struggle with it. You still, <clears throat> you know, you still worry about stuff. Um, for yeah. this last week, for instance, we have an issue going on with a uh, client and, and it's so easy to get stuck in what's going on with the issue when there's really nothing I can do about it. And so, um, because if I, you know, last night, for instance, it was just, it was one of those days and, and it was hard for me to, to, to shut off what happened at night. And it affected, it affected my interactions with the family. You know, it's like, I wasn't really there because I let yeah. that, um, control me. Yeah. And, and so going to bed last night, I'm like, geez, like you know, and so it's, so at the end of the day, I try to like, when I'm leaving the job or I'm leaving work, I try to decompress, you know, I like to drive in my truck and just turn the music on or I leave it silent and just, just get, you know, just get everything yeah. out and kind of talk, you know, self-talk my way through like, okay, this happened. There's nothing I can do about it. And so let's move on. And I love that yeah. dude. Yeah. It, it's so important. And, you know, you're getting to, a you know, as you're growing in a business and all that, you know, when you're at work, you have a certain, uh, let's just say a, a certain, uh, I don't know, person you're playing, right? You're playing the boss, you're playing the entrepreneur, the visionary, all of that. Like that's, that's one superhero that you're playing, but you can't, when you come home, you've got to leave that at the door and you've got to walk in being the husband and father that, you know, God created you to be. And it's what the hard part about owning businesses, since we have phones in our pockets and they're so easy to get to, and they have so many other features on them that we can easily have them close to us. Cause we might want to take a picture of our kids or we might want to oh, see what yeah. the weather's going to be. And there the text pops up and then immediately yeah. it sours your evening. Cause now you're back into, you know, Superman mode out on the job site when you're with your family. And trust me, we all struggle with this. I struggle yeah. with this too. Uh, so it, it's, it's really trying to balance all that out, but knowing that each of those experiences that happen, that we have the opportunity. I like to say that we're the electricians of our lives because we get to wire meaning to all of it, yeah. right? So if we, somebody calls and says, I'm not happy with this project, the big thing that you got to watch, stand at the gate of your mind and watch is what are you saying about that? What, what meaning are you wiring to that event? Are you saying, oh crap, there's another example of that I'm not good enough, that uh, the client doesn't like me, they're gonna write me a bad review. Like, is that the reaction you're getting? If it is, you better be watchful of that. Or is it, oh well, can't make everybody happy, we'll do our best tomorrow. And you let it go at that point, right? So how are you wiring it? Is it personal or are you just saying it's an ex something that's happening like you were mentioning? Like some things just happen that are out of your control and you can't personalize it. Even though we want to, it's naturally wired into us to do that, thing that we failed. Not that it was an ex something that happened outside that may not have worked out or might not have worked out the way you wanted it to, but you don't personalize it. That's the hardest thing because that personalization and taking that stuff home with you, that starts fights, that starts you disconnected from your family, that starts all yeah. of those things. But we're, who made the decision to do that? Yeah, you did. <laughs> we do. We have the control over that, guys listening, girls listening. We have control over what meaning we apply to that. So be careful when those things come up. If you feel them come up, stop for a second and analyze it. Say, hmm, why do I feel that way? Why am I taking this personal? It wasn't personal. She just didn't like to color the boulders. It's okay. It's not that she's saying, I hate Joshua and I hate the boulders too. She just happens to see you as a conduit to a solution. So she yeah. comes to you. 
So it's just understanding that it's not you personally. That's a huge piece. And I've had to grow through my, you know, growing businesses that way. It's, it was a tough lesson. Once you learn that, dude, you become, you know, invincible when it comes to conversations with people who are like, I'm not taking it personal. And if you feel it becoming personal, you know what I mean, Nick, when you say you feel it coming personal, right? When you feel it, you stop and you say, wait a minute, why is that starting to feel personal? There's no way I possibly could have been on that job site at that moment when they moved the skid of stone to the side and ended up busting up her hydrangea bush. Like, there's no way I could have done it. So don't blame me for it. I just need to talk to the guys who are more careful in the future. Yeah. That's it. That's the only wiring. You're not a failure. You don't have like a bad system in place. You just got to talk because we're all human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, so it's, that's it's, probably the hardest. It's important to, to be careful of that. Yeah. That's really hard to do. <laughs> Um, I definitely, yeah, yeah. Was but it's a muscle. I definitely was the guy that, uh, took things personally at first. And it took me a few years of, of oh, going yeah. through, cause it just takes going through those issues. And then, but you have to have the wherewithal to, yeah. to realize what, what you're doing to yourself and how you have control over yeah. of what it is. Because at the end of the day, you're letting those things affect you. Like you, said right and so um yes. it's having that wherewithal and that mindset of always trying to better yourself mm -hmm. and if you don't have that then you're not going to catch those types of things and they're just going to eat you up and and spit you out and so that whole journey for me started like two years ago um i was to the point where i was almost going to stop the business because i was being overwhelmed by everything by client things just being too much too much work um, not knowing how to handle everything. It was affecting me personally. Um, and, uh, and when I finally said, okay, I need some help. Like, I don't want to give up. Like I told myself, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for five years because so many people say, you know, if a business makes yeah. it five, five years, then you're doing good. Right. Um, and so I told myself when I started, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, no matter what happens, I'm going to at least take the five years, um, to get this thing going. And, uh, so year three, it was going great, but I started getting overwhelmed. You know, I was letting things take, you know, I was just taking everything personally. And, and that's when I started my, the whole kind of mindset journey is like, okay, what's, you know, how I need help. Basically it's like everything, I'm not doing everything right. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I think so many, I think so many guys in the trade, like we just kind of go, we're going to start a business and we have never ran a business before. Um, uh, we just have a, we just have a skill <laughs> and we think we can go and, and start a business. And, uh, and so I finally got to the point where it's like, well, I need some help. I need to, I need to surround myself with people who have been through this and made it on the other side so that I can learn from them and not have to make yep. all those same mistakes. Um, and, uh, at that point is when I started to actually work on the whole, you know, not, 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 uh, letting things, you know, not taking things personal, um, and everything else that that yeah. goes with with actually running a company and not just being an operator in a business. I love it, dude. So walk me through that process. How you went? Obviously, you're like, look, I'm I'm frustrated because I've gone through the same thing, right? So that was a lot of my journey as well. I thought I could do it all myself, and I'm like, I'm not paying anybody to teach me shit. I can go out and learn it myself, right? That was just how I was, right? I was like, I'm do it yourself, or I can do this stuff. I don't need help, but I got to a certain level where I, to your point, exhaustion and just overwhelm. And I'm like, how do I get past this point? I've hit this glass ceiling. And for me, it was about a million dollars in revenue. When I hit that ceiling, I was like, 
how I see other people doing it. How come I can't do it? And then the self-talk starts going where, oh, you just, you're not designed for this. This isn't your journey. You're not good enough for this. You're never going to get there, right? All of that kind of stuff sets in. And then I realized that the reason why I couldn't get through is because I wanted to be an island. I wanted to do it all myself and be that stoic hero. And the reality is business is a communal game. Business is a tribe you need to have, as you mentioned, people around you that are doing what you want way ahead of you that you can listen, talk to and figure out how to get there too. And you're like, oh, wow, cool. So eventually hiring coaches and all that stuff. So I want to get on your your uh, your journey there. When you first decided I need help, what was the next steps you did? So I think my first step was probably what most of the guys listening and in our trade do is they go to Facebook and post on a group. Hey, guys, how, how do you do this or how do you do that? And then you get 100 different comments of, what you should be doing and how you're an idiot. And why didn't you think of this? And da, 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 you know, and, but I finally, uh, after a couple of those posts, I had one guy, um, all he said was you need to call Jim Wirtz. And, uh, I was like, okay. Nice. Um, and so I called Jim Wirtz and, uh, that conversation I had with him basically was him saying, I know exactly where you, I know exactly where you're at. Um, I've been there. Um, I've gone through all these issues and this is why I do what I do now is I help, I help guys like you who are ready to do the things that are necessary to get yourself out of these issues. Cause that's a key too. You gotta be ready. Um, and, um, yeah. and then, you know, and then start to coach you through the process of stepping out, you know, making the transition from being a, Basically, like even though you you own a business, you're basically working for the company, right? Because you're doing everything. Um, you're in the field. You're doing all yep. the work all day. You get home at night. You got to make the phone calls. You got to do the estimates. Da, da, da. You know the business owns you. Um, you you don't own the the uh, business, yep. and and so <clears throat> that's where. So I had that phone call with uh, Jim, and I was like, okay, let's do it because I'm not going to make it in a, a another year if I don't change something. Um, and so yeah. I hired Jim as my first coach and, uh, and he, he helped me just from, you know, step, step one was, um, you need to create a few more hours in the day during the day so that you're not doing it at home at night to work on the business. So, um, that was really hard for me because I didn't want to let go of the, daily tasks of building because I was like a control freak and I wanted everything to be done right. But he helped me realize that when I first started, I didn't do everything right. And the way we learn oftentimes is to make mistakes. And so I need to be able to be okay with training a foreman, basically someone to take my position out in the field I need to be okay with letting them make mistakes. Like mistakes are going to happen. You have to be okay with it because that's how they're going to learn. Um, and so he helped me through that. And once I got over that hurdle, um, this, you know, the floodgates opened and I started to be able to work on the business and, and start working on all the different systems and processes and everything that it takes to create a company that will eventually run for you. Um, 
instead of mm-hmm. you running for it. Dude, no, I love that. And Jim's spot on with that. Jim's a great guy. So I mean, he's spot on with that piece. Uh, it's so important to do exactly that. And that took me a long time to realize as well, because you know how it is, Nick, and you, I'm sure experience this when you're running a business and you're out in the field or you're doing the books or you're doing the estimates, or you're doing the sales presentations. You're like, I'm a badass at this. Like I'm good at this. Everything that the business has done so far is because I'm good at this. Right. And your identity starts becoming part of that, right? Like I need to do this or we don't grow. And then someone comes in and says, all right, Nick, guess what? You can't do that anymore. And you got to sit there and watch why they make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that is the most painful thought ever, right? To think I'm going to wait and watch it. And that's, I'm going to lose money. I'm going to lose time. The clients are going to hate me. The whole what if scenarios start all over again, right? But the craziest part is Nick, and you tell me if you've experienced this. Once I finally let go and said, nope, I want to own a business, not a job. Once I, and I realized there's going to be some pain in that transition. Once I started putting the teams together and seeing them take over, they did it so much better than me. <laughs> I had to stop and sit back and be like, they're so much more talented than I am at this. But that took a little bit of ego kick, you know, a little kick in the ego for that one to happen. But you sit back and you're like, holy crap, what else could I do like this? Right. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's the key is to surround yourself yeah. and hire people who are better than you and everything. Um, and so that's yeah. where Haley came into play. For sure. We interrupt this podcast to drop a sales nugget on your lap. Today, we're going to talk about budget. One of the biggest things that people have the most uncomfortable time talking to their clients about that or the clients don't want to talk to you about it. So one thing here, a little nugget I'm going to drop on you today is the concept of budget. So if a client does give you a number, say Mrs. Jones says, I've got $5,000 or I have $50,000 or I have $100,000 to invest in this project. Your next question needs to be, what do you hope that will cover? And then be silent or STFU. Just be silent and let them speak because they're going to now articulate exactly what they're hoping that investment will buy them. And then from there, you can make a decision as the salesperson or the company owner to say, you know what? That sounds reasonable. I think we can fit all that into that budget. Or this is absolutely absurd. There's no way a $5,000 budget gets you a pool deck and patio. With that question, you let them answer it. Do not try to fill it in. What do you hope that will cover? Try that the next time your client gives you a budget and you're going to be amazed by the kind of questions and answers and conversations that happen after that. But do you ever feel like you're going to be kind of kicked out of the club, if you will, or unnecessary if you have people that are better than you around? Um, I mean, at first, yeah, because... At, at first, yes, but I went into this, like during that, during those first few months of, of dealing with Jim, um, I came to the realization that I don't want the business to rely on me because if it does, anything can happen to us today, tomorrow. And if I'm not around for, and, and I've created this business that relies on me and something happens to me, then the business is going to fall apart. Yeah. And not only is that going to affect my family, it's going to affect everyone working for me and their family. They're going to lose their job because I was the crutch of the business. And if something happens to me and I'm gone, now the business is gone. And so I'm doing a disservice to everybody who's relying on that business by not setting it up to work without me, if that makes sense. 
I want to create this business that, that, that even if that. I'm not here, it's going to still provide for my family and it's going to still provide a great place for my employees to love where they work and also provide a living wage for their family, which to bring it full circle is part of the reason I enjoying doing what I'm doing now is because I get to pay my guys a living wage, unlike what I was being offered from the other companies around me. And so I'm being known as if you want it to be able to have a good job, a great place to work and make good money, um, then come work for us. And that's what I offer all my, all my guys. Cause I want them to be able to enjoy what they're doing and provide for their family. And so if I'm not creating this business to, to survive without me, then I'm not doing anybody any favors. Dude, I love that. You are so spot on with that. It's incredible. You're focusing your heart's in the right spot. So my big question for you, and I'm sure listeners are thinking, that's great, Nick. You can afford to pay your guys more. How do you possibly come up with the extra money to pay these guys a living wage when everyone else is paying them less? Um, for me, it's basically, it starts with our customer service. Um, and so from our first phone call, um, it's all about the customer. We've created the systems and processes to when people call us, they instantly know that we're different. Um, from that first conversation that they have with us, yeah. we are different. We are offering a premium service and that allows me to charge premium um, prices for our projects. And, and that <clears throat> in turn then allows me to pay a higher price for my guys. I'm also not greedy. Like I'm not in this to pinch every penny and, and, become a millionaire. I'm in this to enjoy what I do each, each and every day and keep a roof over my family's head and food on the, on the uh, table, you know, um, like that at the end of the day, that's all I want. And so, um, if that means, you know, if, if, if me not making a million dollars every year, um, because I paid my guys a living wage, like I'm 100% okay with that, you know? Yeah. That's really cool, dude. I love that. And and you're right, because you have to differentiate yourself up front when it comes to your your offering to people. Because if you look like a commodity, if you're out there and people are calling around for a paver patio or an outdoor living space or a deck or whatever it might be, and you're like, all right, so how big do you want it? And uh, when do you want it? And uh, I'll be out tomorrow. Right. And that's what everybody is saying. Then you're not going to differentiate yourself. They're going to lump you in with the rest of those knuckleheads that are going to do it for a much cheaper price and barely pay their guys and probably not even be profitable. Right. Yeah. So um, having a conversation, deeper conversation up front is the biggest thing, because when you do get deeper and you start getting into that, why for the client and what's the bigger driver? It's not just because they want a new patio and spend money on stones in their backyard. They don't just want a new deck so they can walk out and look around at the neighbors. What they, They're doing it for an emotional driver, a bigger why. And we got to figure out what that is first. Right. Yeah. We got to get deeper into that so that we can connect with a client on a level that they haven't been connected with yet. And when you do that, you differentiate yourself. You automatically bring higher value to the table. Have you found that to be true, Nick? Oh, yeah, totally. I think, uh, um, the sales process that we learned through yes express really helped us in that regard. Um, uh, because we were the whole, um, we kind of let the quality of our builds kind of speak for us. Um, and we were the whole, I was the guy run, I was the guy running around to every single job talking to people. And, you know, I wasted so much time, um, and money, um, doing that. And it wasn't until we implemented the sales process that we learned through Yes Express to kind of be that filter 
Um, so it, it's for us, it served us two purposes. It's allowed us to, from our first two phone calls, um, step out ahead of our competition because we're actually having these phone calls and asking these questions that clients are like, whoa, I've never been asked that question when I've talked to a, a contractor. Um, what do you mean you can't come out? Well, it's because we yeah. want to get to know you first and we want to find out what it is that you actually want. And da, 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 you know, and people are kind of blown away at that. And the ones that kind of go, no, I just want you to come out. Well, then they're not the right fit for us. And now that just saved us a bunch of time and a, bun and a bunch of money. But the ones that are okay with the phone call end up like loving our whole process even more um, before they've even met with us in person. So it's kind of a win-win situation there. We're getting the clients that we want. And then those clients in turn really see how different we are um, and the quality that we give. And they're willing to pay that higher price tag. And I think in our, in our industry, it's an, that's huge because there's so many guys out there who don't know their numbers and don't know what it takes to actually run the business and aren't pricing things correctly. Um, and so that's hard for us to, for it's hard for us as the people, as guys and, and companies that, that, that know what it costs to run the company and know, you know, and know our numbers. Um, it's hard for us to compete with people like that. And so we have to do everything that we can to set ourselves apart. And, you know, those first two phone calls um, from the, from that uh, sales system has been a real key to that for us. No, I love it. And, and that's, it's so true because if a client feels it's the same as somebody else, you're a commodity, that's just what it yep. is. And, you know, if you're competing as a contractor, if you're on Facebook asking, well, what's your square foot price and what's your square foot price or how much do you charge per linear this or that? How can you possibly answer that when you don't know what the overhead structure is? You don't know what their pay rates are. You don't know tax. You don't know any of those things, right? So it, it's a, uh, if you're out there listening and you don't know that, then get over to West at Synced Up and get those things figured out. Because yeah. once you have them figured out, it's going to be so much simpler for you. You're going to go into your clients' meetings full confidence. And when they ask you for discounts, you'll be like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> one of the three levers, right? You're going to do some sweat equity. You're going to change scope. You're going to change materials. Which one are we going to do here? It's the price is right now, right? Yeah. It's the only way it's going to work. But uh, I mean, I know because I've been through in the first years, I didn't know numbers at all, dude. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know the phone call thing. I said, dude, out of 7 billion, 8 billion people on the planet, they called me, Nick. They called me. I'm not going to like make put any kind of resistance between me and them. They might get mad at me. They might not hire me. I'm just going to go out and give them whatever they ask for. And then they start asking for more and more and then discounts. And then can you do this for free? And, uh, you know, I got some extra stones over here. Can you use those for free? And pretty soon it just becomes a very much a win-lose where you're in the losing position and your client wins, which is great for them. But you won't be in business long with that mentality, right? So it's important to make sure you're in the in the right arena with the right people for sure. So important. So I know that you guys are going yeah, through a bit exactly. of a funny story in regards. To yeah, no, I know you guys are going through a transition now at uh, Nicholas Landscape. And you want to walk us through where you, you know, where you were, and what your focus was and where the future of the business is right now or where you're going to push yeah, it. So Nicholas Landscaping, um, that's the name that I chose right off the bat because it was the easiest one to start to operate under legally mm -hmm. because it has my name. So, um, because it has my name in it. I didn't have to go through all the paperwork of uh, doing a S Corp and things of that nature here in California. And so, but now that uh, I've, now that we've transitioned to fully design build, um, when 
people hear I'm a landscaper, they immediately think, oh, can you come clean up my yard? Can you come mow my lawn? Can you do this and that? And then I tell them, well, no, actually, we don't do that at all. Um, we build decks and patios and outdoor living spaces and we do designs and they're like, oh, wow, that's more like construction. Well, yeah, it's landscape construction. And so I've been fighting this back and forth if I should keep my name or not, because you can keep your name and just brand around it, you know, which is totally fine. And people do that. There's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of successful design build companies that have landscaping in their name. And, uh, and so I've been going back and forth for about three years, whether I'm going to change my name or not. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, this is probably the third time that I've said, okay, I'm actually doing it. And then I'm like, Oh no, I, I won't. But now <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm, I have a, we, we've already Good. bought the, we, we've already bought the, uh, new website, uh, domain and, uh, we have the steps in place to actually do it. And so the reason behind doing it is, is if, if I need to, basically I need to brand something and I don't really want to brand around the term landscaping because, so much because there's already so many preconceived notions of that term and what people in the landscaping industry do, at least here in California. Um, most landscapers are your guy with a truck and a lawnmower. Everyone, if you ask, you know, 20 people what a land landscaper is, 19 of them are going to tell you that. Um, one of them might say mm -hmm. the things that we do, like we build decks, like everyone's so surprised that we build decks. Um, and so, so I decided that we're going to make that name change and we're going to brand around, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have to, you have to brand and, and market yourself. And so I want to do it around a name that doesn't have a bunch of preconceived notions about it already. Dude, I love that, uh, that you're aware of that. Cause I know that was something that in the very beginning, when I started master plan, it was master plan landscape design. I said, everything is in the title. It's perfect but the word landscaping was yeah. in there. Right. And then people are like, Oh, do you just do flower beds? Can you lay out my flower bed stuff? And I'm like, sure. If it's part of, you know, a bigger outdoor living, you know, yeah. world, a bigger design. And you know, they, uh, they didn't understand and you can't blame them. Right. People just don't know. It's, it's a nuance within the industry and outdoor living sounds like patio furniture. And it's, it's, it's not something that's really trending or really, uh, you know, going viral yet. Yeah. We're getting there, right? This is a, this is a journey. This is a mission, right? There's so many of us out there, you and myself, and I'm sure tens of thousands of others that are sick and tired of being called landscapers, even though it's not anything wrong with the industry. It's that we're not landscapers, right? We don't mow lawns. I don't do maintenance, like none of that stuff. We're construction. But if you say landscape construction, then you don't design. So landscape yeah. design and construction. Oh, you just do bushes. It's like this weird I don't know. It's a little like purgatory we're stuck in. Right. But that's why we're forging forward with outdoor living as our target. That's our, our, our keywords that we want. So that if you're an outdoor living design build professional, if you're doing outdoor living, you're building really cool stuff. And it includes decks and patios and landscaping and lighting and sound systems and pools and spas and structures and like all this stuff, like bringing all those comforts of inside out. But when you're building a brand new market segment like this, you're going to have years of lag before the, the world knows. But it's, it's amazing people like yourself and so many other in our industry that are bringing the awareness to the fact that we call that outdoor living. And hopefully in my lifetime, that'll make an entire switch is one of my missions is to make sure that landscaping stays with the landscapers and outdoor living comes with us. 
because that is truly the difference and differentiating it with a new name and everything is it's going to be extremely powerful when we did that i don't know probably six years ago with the master plan outdoor living it was a, it was a big jump of faith i remember working on the the logo and you can ask becky she's she god bless her heart for almost a year i fought back and forth in my head for what i wanted in that logo and because i wanted it so stupid simple but i wanted to represent things and i was traveling at that point you know blessed to travel around the world and see different things and i found something i thought would be really cool it was actually in new zealand and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool. And then I adjusted it and I'm like, this is going to be what we're going to do. And ever since then, I never looked back and I'm like, I love it. And the whole world, but sometimes there's that conversation that needs to be happening with your clients. Like, what is outdoor living? What are you doing? They don't know. So now it's a matter of education. And that's what's important about having a, you know, a process of communication for your clients so that they get uh, to understand your journey and, and how you're different than others. So yeah, Nick, the word landscaper, it's been something that's, that's always kind of rubbed me wrong because it's not what we do. We do something totally different and that's the important part. So how are you helping your clients understand that at this point with this transition happening and all that? Yeah. So in our, so we haven't really put out the transition yet, but right now in our phone calls, when, you know, in that first initial call, we're explaining to people who call us what exactly it is that we do. Um, so we are design, build, outdoor living, um, we do decks, patios, and everything around those. Um, and so, so that's how, you know, we're using that term outdoor living or hardscaping. Um, and we're, and we're not using the word landscaper when people call us. And so even if they don't use us, we're still getting that out there to everybody that calls us to help spread that knowledge. So then when they, you know, if they decide that they want an outdoor living space later, they'll know who to call, right? Who to call back. Exactly. Um, and so basically, yeah, just educating people. I think um, every person that calls us and then people that I talk to on a daily basis, I try to use those terms. Um, in California, we have a state license. We have a contractor's license. It's a C27. Um, it's for land. It's for landscapers. They call it the landscaping contractor's license. But what we can do here under that license is so much more than landscaping like you can almost build a house like you can build a pool house it just can't be considered a residence you have to have a half a kitchen and a half a bath with a shower on the outside but mm -hmm. we can do all of it you know and who would ever think a landscaper is going to build a huge pool house um yeah and so even here you know the state's not helping us at all <laughs> but nobody knows that um and so i think yeah. education is uh, key it is, especially when we're making this transition, you know, to the public where they're starting to understand it. Because when they just think they're going to hire a landscaper, they immediately think, all right, well, they can't be that expensive. They push mowers all day long, right? And they're like, well, wait a minute here. Have you seen my overhead? Have you seen all the trucks and guys and equipment and the hundreds of thousands of dollars I have sunk into this? And so it, it's it's an expectation, right, Nick? It's, a, it's setting the expectation. And, and again, that's the ultimate mission uh, is to push more of that concept of outdoor living. So people are like, holy moly, of course I'm going to pay because it's not easy to run those companies. They've got a lot of overhead. Like this is a construction company. You wouldn't go to your contractor and be like, hey, can you do it for less because you swing a hammer? They realize it's trucks and equipment and tons and tons of knowledge and education that comes with that hammer. That uh, that is the important part that they see the extra value in. But it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be a journey. 
you know, but the thing is that we're not alone, right? There's, there's, like I said, tens, if not hundreds of thousands out there that want the same thing for our industry. And together we can all rise. We can all have this conversation. We can all start with this, you know, this, these words that we're using. If you don't want to be a landscaper anymore and you don't hate being lumped into that and feel like you're being pushed down in a way and you want to be brought up and treated like a doctor or a lawyer or a professional, you know, you say outdoor living, you might have to explain a little bit. But you're going to get that higher value from the client because like, wow, tell me more about that. What does that mean? And next thing you know, you're talking about all these extra things that you do. And you're like, wow, holy moly, you do the design all the way through the construction of everything and you manage it. You do permits. You do you do everything for me. They don't even know this exists. So we see it every single day and we're like, well, don't you know that? And the thing is, our clients don't know that. They're like, I didn't even know that existed. Landscapers don't go get permits, but we do. Right. So it's like it's going to be t- it's going to be a little bumpy and a little gray for a while. But I know together as as an industry, we're going to pull through this and we're going to be like, you know what, man, like 10 years, we'll look back and be like, remember when they used to landscaper used to be a problem word. Now people know exactly what that is and they know what outdoor living is. But it takes time. All of that takes time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm excited to it. see how our how our trade's going to just morph and mold and 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 really get the uh, respect that it deserves, at least in the outdoor living side of things. Um, you're totally right. You know, I think we're looked down upon and go, Oh, you're, you're just a little lawn, lawnmower guy. You don't have any skill. But I think the reality is like, I I have a bunch of builder friends and their overhead isn't, isn't half of what mine is. Cause we've got, we got, I've got two, I got a hundred thousand dollars in tractors sitting out there. Um, and you know, not including all the different saws and table saw, you know, there's just, there's so much more that we have to use to, to work with concrete and things like that. And so, um, at the end of the day, I feel like, um, there's no reason why the landscaping trade, the outdoor living trade can't be one of those top trades. Like you would view a custom kitchen remodeler, you know? Yep. Yep. hundred percent do. But the difference is you can't talk like a landscaper and communicate like a landscaper in the outdoor living world. It doesn't work. You know, if you're selling two to 5,000 or 10,000, even $15,000 projects, you can do that with just about any basic high school education. You can do that. But when you start getting into higher numbers, 20, 30, 50, 100, 200, $500,000 projects, that same teaching, those same skills need to be enhanced significantly in order to be able to have that conversation with those clients. So you don't lose your shirt and or waste your time because they're smart. They know, you know, that they can, you can bullshit for so long before they realize that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So building those skills, investing in yourself, hiring coaches, going into, you know, going out and buying programs to learn things is the best thing you can do for yourself. If you really want to grow, if you just want to make enough money to get by and just pay the bills then don't just shut this podcast off and disappear. The point is that if you want more of life, you're going to have to become more. That's the secret to it all. You can't just sit here and wait and hope that big job's going to come in and you're going to all of a sudden make all this money. And that's going to make all the difference because newsflash, I was there before many times. And I will tell you that once that big job comes in and you get the check and then a few months later, you spend all the money on expenses and all that stuff and you're back to square one looking for the next one, you become an addict. And when you become an addict to these projects just to keep you know, all the cash flow moving to pay bills, to pay payroll, all that kind of stuff and pay all the equipment, you start getting burned out. So the reality is if you need to constantly be building you, you are the greatest asset of your entire company. You need to constantly be investing in yourself, whether if you do it for free and read books, watch pod, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, something, 
If you go to events, I learn best through experiences. That's why I love experiential events and teaching that way because I learn and it sticks for me. Um, but that's that's been a secret, you know, is to constantly keep building yourself because this business you have now is only as good as you are. You can't point fingers as an owner. You need to invest in yourself and build yourself so the business can build with you. It only happens at the same rate. Yep, exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. So, Nick, anything else you want to any other little nuggets of wisdom you want to drop on our, our guests here as they're listening that, that's helped you in your journey? Um, yeah, I mean, with that last section that you just said, you know, where you can only be as good as who you are personally, I think I've resonated with a lot this last two years. And, um, I think COVID, uh, kind of wiped a lot of people out. Like for us as business owners, it was great for our industry. Um, but I've, I've been hearing this from more people that, uh, because of everything that happened, um, and I saw it in myself, it just was a little bit overwhelming and, and just kind of, I don't know if it's demoralizing, just, it just, it was, it was a weight, right? We all felt it. It was just a heavy time. And, mm-hmm. um, I noticed in myself where I just kind of got a little lazy, you know, I kind of lost the fire to grow. And, um, so I realized it a few months back that, uh, we just had a lot of just things happening in the business and, and I just wasn't, I don't know. It's almost like I was like, had that, I was just walking through my days with the deer in the headlights look, you know, and I just kind of mm-hmm. got stagnant. Um, I didn't have a lot of great, uh, habits. Um, I was just kind of had the blinders on just running through life. And, uh, and that that being like that is not helpful for you as, and for us personally, you know, for anybody. Um, but also as a business owner, um, we need to be constantly getting better each and every day, not only in our craft and our skills, but also as human beings. Um, and so for me, it's so important to have those daily habits that we do, um, that, uh, just help you, um, just be a more intentional human being. Um, and in doing that and growing yourself and being a better communicator, being more intentional with your morning and evening routines and setting proper priorities, that's only going to benefit you as you, um, as you seek to run your business and to grow your business. Cause it takes intentionality to grow your business. And if you're not intentional in your personal life, how can you expect to be intentional and grow your business and deal with clients and learn how to deal with clients and and employees and all those types of things. And so, um, I think more people are starting to talk about it, but I think, you know, there was so much, there was so much good that came out of COVID for our industry, but I think personally, a lot of people took a lot of hits and I think a lot of people are starting to realize it now because I'm seeing more and more guys talk about it and I've seen it in myself. Um, I just finished 75 hard. That was like a huge, just like, like restart for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I feel like I'm like snapped out of the fog that I've been in for the, you know, that the whole country's been in for the last two years and I'm ready to go, you know, ready for, to see what the uh, future holds for us. I love that dude. I love that your mindset's in the right place and you're absolutely right. Dude, when you set up those rituals and habits and you stick with them, those disciplines, 
man, everything changes. And that's a whole nother podcast, brother. I could keep you on for another hour and talk about that side, but uh, we'll let our people go here. Um, so Nick, how can people find you if, uh, if they want to reach out and, and hear more about your story or, or anything like that? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram, Nicholas Landscaping, um, on Facebook, Nicholas Landscaping. Um, yeah, those are probably the two best. You can message us through our website, um, at nicholaslandscaping.com, which will soon be changing to ncoutdoors.com. Um, nice. But uh, could you spell Nicholas just so everyone yeah. has it right? N I C K L A U S. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Two syllables, Nicholas, not Nicholas, Perfect. not Nicklaus, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> you probably heard it all, haven't I've you? Heard it all. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Nick, I appreciate you spending your most precious asset with us, your time and telling us your story. I certainly appreciate it. And I've learned a lot along the way and, uh, listeners out there, if you found value listening to, to Nick's story, share it, you know, get it out to your friends. And, and I know we all struggle in this industry in one way or the other. And if we can all unite together and, and work with each other and help each other out, we can all grow and win and win, win is the only game. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening and we'll catch you back next week. Thanks, Joshua.